0: Mother's Day. I tell you what, um, I'm not sure if people dress up uh, more for Mother's Day now or Easter. Right? It used to be really Easter, but I see a lot of colors going on. You know what I mean? A lot of, and I, I'm one of them. You know, I like uh, real men wear pink. You know what I'm saying? And uh, if you're Pastor Kevin, you wear a retina-burning pink. Where is he? He's back there. Look at him. Look at that. Look at that shirt. You want to talk about a pink shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin's a man. He doesn't worry about it. He likes. He wears what he feels like wearing. Right, Kevin? I think every year we probably wear the same shirts, I think. Oh, it's awesome. So happy Mother's Day. It is great to have you guys all here. I want to read from Proverbs chapter six, verses 20 through 23. It says, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Our moms teach us so many important lessons throughout our entire lives. As I was studying this sermon, I came across uh, a list of observations that a son uh had he wrote about his mother and what she taught him all the different categories of things that she taught him so i'm going to kind of read through this list it says his mother taught him logic right your mother teaches you logic she once asked if everyone else jumped off a cliff would you jump off a cliff too right that's logical well, Mom, everybody else is doing it. If everybody else jumped off a bridge or jumped off a cliff, would you? How many parents have actually said that? Come on, raise your hand. If you said, if everybody else jumped jumping off a cliff, yeah, almost every parent here. All right. <laughs> His mother taught him medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way, right? That's, that's good medicine, right? How many parents, honestly, raise your hand. How many parents have said, if you don't stop doing that, it's going to stay that way. It could stay that way. Raise your hand. See, you don't want to admit it, but yeah, a lot of you have. All right. What else did his mother teach him? Mother taught him about genetics. You're just like your father, right? (laughs) I'm not even going to have you raise your hand for that one because I know you all said that. His mother taught him about his roots, where he comes from. Do you think you were born in a barn? No, you were not born in a barn. All right. I have to know how many parent mothers have said you think you were more in a barn? Come on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I got a few. That's a little older one, I think, but um, still goody. Oldie, but a goody. All right. His mother taught him about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. Right? When you get to be my age, you will understand. His mother, his mother taught him about anticipation. mother taught him about anticipation. You just wait until your father gets home. Right, And the earlier in the day she says it, the more you have to worry about it. Right. You wait till your father gets home. And he said his all time favorite thing his mother taught him was about justice. She said, one day you're going to have children, too. (laughs) And I hope what? I hope they're just like you. Right. Justice. You're going to have kids one day and I hope they're just like you. So let me start out. Here, this sermon with the, the biblical definition of mother, the word mother. The original Hebrew word for mother is ame, okay, E-M-A, ame, and it means the the, the bond of the family, the bond of the family. In, in other words, a force that strengthens and bonds Holds things together. It's a force that strengthens things, that that holds things, that bonds things together. I love that definition of mother, right? The bond of the family. A woman should be recognized as a mother, no matter whatever, the, whatever way she became a mother, she should be recognized as a mother if she is fulfilling her God-ordained responsibility because she is often the strength that holds the family together. A mom is often, in many cases, the glue that holds the family together. So it doesn't, Jen mentioned it before, it doesn't matter how you became a mother, you are a mother, and in, from a biblical definition, Moms often hold things together no matter what goes on. They're holding things together So how does the bible tell us that we should treat our mothers? Okay, what does the bible say about how you should treat your mom? We read proverbs chapter 6 20 through 23 and proverbs chapter 6 verse 20 It basically says it tells us not to forsake our father's command or the law of our mother Now, I'm going to stop for a moment and I'm going to say, I know there are circumstances, all right, because I don't want you, I want you to focus. I don't want you to get lost. I understand there are circumstances, abuse, for example, that makes it difficult for a child to, to honor and respect and follow their mother's instruction. I understand that. But what I'm talking about this morning is a normal, um, healthy, if you will, family interaction. We're just generalizing and saying a normal, healthy family interaction. I know there are differences in how people grew up, and I totally understand that. And those are kind of on the side. Sometimes it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to honor and respect um, and follow your mother's instruction if you were in a situation that was more difficult. So let's just put that aside for a second. And say that God is absolutely clear in Scripture that we should honor and respect and listen to and take the instruction of our moms. And I'm going to kind of walk through Proverbs chapter 6. It says next in Proverbs chapter 6, bind them continually upon your heart. That means that we need to constantly remember what, uh, what we're being taught. We, as the people around a mother, need to constantly remember what we're being taught, the instructions that she gave. And not only that, but then how do we apply those instructions to our lives? How do I apply the instructions that were given to me by by my mother to our lives? Because if you don't apply it, you don't own it. So you've you've got to continually, the Bible says, you need to continually hold on to bind them continually on your heart. We need to treat our mothers with respect because they give us information. They teach us things throughout our entire lives. They're constantly teaching. They're constantly investing. And they give us information that will guide us, that will that will help us along the path that we're going to take for the rest of our lives. lives. So God says, listen to what they're saying. These things are important. Your mom, your mom will tell you things. Sometimes you're like, oh, what does she know? Oh, what does she know? Like the time she told you not to date that guy's snake, right? I just don't think snake's right for you. All right. Well, you're like, and you're like, come on, mom. He's only been arrested twice and only one conviction. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You're so judgmental. I guess that means I can't date his friend's skull either. Doesn't it? You know what I mean? I can't believe you. And then we, our moms tell us, listen, I don't really know if this person's right for you. I'm not really. And you, they don't know a thing. They don't know a thing until three four five years later. Oh, I should have. And I'm not being funny. I really should have listened to my mom. My mom had insight that I don't have. My mom had some wisdom. That my, my, my mom saw something that I didn't see. You've got to have the ability in your life to take a step back and realize that you know, I know you want to break free, right? You want to be independent. You don't want to listen. You know, I, I'm older now and I can make my own decisions and that's all fine. That's a normal part of growing growing up and, and and being your own person. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what real maturity is? Real maturity is to be able to do that, but at the same time realize that a person who's lived on this earth longer than you may have some insight that you don't have. And maybe just maybe you should listen to what they say or at least take a step back, okay, and process what they're saying in a way more than just, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. He's a good guy. You just don't know. him. You just don't know. him. You just don't know him. And then the hard thing is you get to know him and find out that mom wasn't as foolish as you thought she was. And Proverbs chapter six continues. Tie them around your neck. We see this theme. This idea of tying what what you're being told, you're you're being taught the law, the truth, the commands, the, the precepts and the principles of the Bible. We see this whole idea of tying them around your neck echoed throughout Scripture. I'm going to stick in Proverbs in Proverbs chapter one and verse nine. It says what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck around your neck proverbs 3 3 let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablets of your heart i mean the the visuals here write them on a tablet bind them around your neck the, the to bind something when you talk about binding something around your neck it means to it wants. It, it, it's the idea of helping you remember I want to bind this around my neck because it will help me remember. And in this case, what they're talking about you remembering is all the, the God's law and God's truth. God's truth, his precepts and his principles in scripture that your parents, even though they're not quoting scripture, they're trying to, to download, if you will, into your mind and they're trying to tie it and, and place it in your heart so that you'll own it and you'll use it to make decisions in your life. Because believe it or not, and that we were joking earlier, saying, you know, the wisdom as you get older, you know, when you get older, you'll understand. Okay, you will when you get older, you will understand how intense your parents actually feel for you. The love they have for you is overwhelming. The thought of you making mistakes and doing things that may harm you down the road is overwhelming. They spend, I kid you not, most parents spend the majority of their time, even when you think they're not thinking about it, thinking about you and how you can be healthy and strong and grow and become the person that God created you to be. It's absolutely overwhelming. And you 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 sit back sometimes and think, oh, she's just or she's just or he's just. And the reality is most of the time they're doing it because they love you so intensely. And I know that's annoying to you sometimes because it it could be overwhelming to you. But if you look at it from that perspective, you get a better understanding of why parents do what they do because they love you that much. And so it talks about helping you remember And, and, and some of you will understand this analogy. It's like a promise ring, right? Maybe your parents gave you a promise ring to to remind you to stay pure before marriage. And so you have this ring on your finger. It says bind it around your neck, right? Remember, remember, remember. The promise ring is right in front of you. It helps you remember in certain situations. Maybe well, you got to back off because you, what you committed to, right? It's a promise ring. Some people today will get a tattoo and they'll put a tattoo on their arm or somewhere, and it's a name of someone or it's a, a date. Or it's a scripture verse to remind them. It's a reminder to say, why did that guy get the tattoo? Why did she get the tattoo? Because it's, in a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, it reminds people of certain things. They want to remember, I overcame this addiction on this date or this person or my, whatever it is. That it, it, it reminds us, whatever we, whatever, whatever will help remind us, many people will do those things. And that's what it's talking about, binding this around your neck. Binding something around your neck also represents a safeguard. From the book of Proverbs, it means a safeguard. It wants to keep you safe. As we remember God's law, it it protects us from making wrong choices that will affect the rest of our lives, that could ruin our lives. That's what it means. Remember this so that when the time comes and you're in a place where you have to make a decision, you remember to make the right decision, because if you make the wrong decision, it could have a profound impact on your lives. You know what? Take a step back. And think of other people in your life that have made unbelievably poor decisions that have completely and, and, and in such a de- devastating way affected you. And if they, if they were, if they tied the word of God around their neck, they listened to the instructions of wise people around them, they would not have made those decisions that had such a profound impact on your life. So when it's your turn now. I tell you this all the time. Like I, when I grew up, I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with my mom in New York, extremely poor. Okay, I didn't have my grandfather. God bless him. I told you stories about him before and everything. I didn't. I didn't have like grandpa and dad and me and then whatever. It didn't work. It didn't work that way. I loved my father. He passed last year. I loved him to death. I loved my grandfather. OK, but I didn't get the instruction from them, from the word. But here's the cool thing. It's when it was my turn, when it was my turn, I wasn't making excuses and saying, well, I didn't have a grandfather who did this. or My father didn't do that. I said, no, now it's my turn. And from 18 years old, I pictured myself as a grandfather, as a great-grandfather, and the ones below me. And I'm going to start, I'm going to create what I didn't have. So instead of complaining about what I didn't have, I said, God, you give me wisdom, you give me discernment, teach me your word, so that I, when I get in that position, my grandkids, my great-grandkids will talk about me in a way that's honoring. See, we guys, if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that in your life... I'm not saying it's okay, but you can create it. You create it. Some of you moms didn't have what, what you've given to your children because you've created that. You've said, no, this is not going to continue. Now I'm going to be the mom that impacts the lives of my children. And they wake up and like in Proverbs says, and call me blessed. That's what we can have. That's what God calls us to do. And it, th- what this what Proverbs is talking about here is a safeguard to keep us from making the same dopey choices that were made in generations before. It says, "No, line the sand. That's then. This is now. I'm in charge now. I'm going to create my own life for my family." Exactly. Wise people say this often. I am so glad I listened. How many people, how many friends do you know? Oh, man, I should have listened. I should have just done what you said. Or I should, why didn't I just, why didn't I just, what wise people say? Oh, thank God I listened. Thank God I listened to, I had a youth pastor, I got saved when I was 18 years old, uh, yeah, right before my 18th birthday, and I had a youth pastor, Rich Thomas, and Rich Thomas used to, he knew I wanted to be a youth pastor when I, when I got saved, and he, he would tell me, hey, when you go into a church, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and half the things he told me, I had no idea why I shouldn't do them. I didn't know why, but you know what, I got into ministry, I, got it. I was a youth pastor. I didn't do this and I didn't do this and I didn't do this and I didn't do this because he told me not to. But I'll tell you something. I realized as I was going through that process why he told me not to. And I would have had a much more difficult experience afterward if I did it and then found that I shouldn't have. We need to be the people who say, you need to be the wise person who says, thank God I listened. Thank God I listened to my mother on that one. Boy, I I dodged a bullet. You know, she saw something and I didn't see. Thank God for my mom on that one. Proverbs six twenty two continues. And when you roam, they will lead you. When you leave home, when your parents are no longer around, God's the truth of God's word that they tied around your neck, that they spoke into your heart, will keep your, will, will keep your thoughts and your actions. It will, it will help guide you, your thought process and your actions. So when when mom and dad or mom specifically this morning is no longer around, when she's not there, I'm not saying gone. I'm saying she's not there when you're in college or she's not there when you're with your friends in high school or in junior high or you're gone, whatever the case may be. If she's not right there, what this is saying is that her words, her wisdom will be there with you to guide you through those difficulties, through those challenging experiences. Next, it says when you sleep. They will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. That means they will give you, they will give you comfort and they will give you counsel. Her words will give you comfort and they will give you counsel. I want you to think about how sometimes how difficult it is to go to sleep, how you wake up in the middle of the night, and a lot of the reason that happens is because you have so many things on your mind, maybe from the wrong choices that you have been making. And what they're saying is, wait a second, that can change. Your mother's mother's wisdom can give you comfort. It can give you counsel. The truth that your mom taught you can help you rest your mind and your heart. The truth that your mother shared with you and that you followed will help you rest your mind as you sleep and your heart. And then her words her words you wake, and her words will come to your mind as you 're going through something. Her words will come to your mind when you have to make that difficult decision you 're in a situation what should I do here what should i 'm not really sure what I should do and, and the Bible says her words will come to your mind, and you say to yourself what would what would my mom do? What, what would my mom say? What would my, what my mom say here? And those words come back to you, so they help you rest because you 've made positive decisions at night. But when you awaken, you have to make difficult choices and decisions. Her words will come. The Bible says her words will come back to you to help guide you. Next, we read for the commandment is a lamp, a lamp helps guide your feet in the darkness when things are dark or things are confusing, you're confused. I mean, all of us get confused, especially when you're growing up. And I don't care if you're 20 or 25 or 30 or 35 or 40, you still, I mean, how many of us, if, if your parents are still there, if my dad, my dad passed last year, but he was still there, there are times where I like to call him and I'm, I'm in my fifties. And I would say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what are your thoughts on this? When it comes to this decision or that decision? And he gives you, guidance and kind of he gives you the experience of someone who's older, who's a little bit older than you. And so this is what this is what the scripture is talking about. It's the commandment is a lamp. It helps guide your feet when you're when you're in darkness or when you are confused, you're not really sure which way to go. God's word will show you which way to go because you can't trust your own feelings sometimes. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So many of you, as your kind of life verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? What are you writing on your heart? What, is your parent, what are your parents supposed to be writing on your heart? The word of God. Trust in the word, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not, lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because your own understanding will often lead you in the wrong direction. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And it says, and he shall direct your paths. Wouldn't it be phenomenal if you, as you're walking down the road, you you know, God would say, go to the right. Now go to left. Now go to the right. That's what he's talking about. The more you know the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, the more you listen to people who are wise and understand the Word of God, the more you're going to go. Oh, go right. Oh, good. Oh, boy, I'm so glad it went right. Uh, uh, uh. Go left. Okay, okay, okay. Now, do you feel like going left sometimes? No. You want you want to ruin your life? Go by your feelings all the time. You want to really be miserable? Do what you feel all the time. I don't do what I feel all the time. I do what the word of God says all the time. Let my feelings catch up because my feelings will lead me into a pit. My feelings lead me off a cliff. Sometimes my feelings lead me to say things I shouldn't say to my wife or to my children or to whoever. My feelings many times will lead me astray. Okay. So what we need to do is we need to listen and be and follow the word of God. Not just how we feel Proverbs is saying that it will enlighten the darkened mind, okay? Not only the darkened mind, it's not only about the darkened mind. Sometimes we're just not thinking clearly. Sometimes it's gray. We feel like we're in a gray area. How do I deal with this? It's kind of a gray area to me. And God's word will guide you through that. Sometimes, honestly, some of you go through a crisis and you get yourself into a fog. It's like you didn't get yourself into a fog. You're just in a fog. And what that does is it it lights your way through the fog. It shows you, it gives you direction through the fog. It opens things up and you can see. It's almost like you pop your heads above the cloud and now you can see. That's what Proverbs is talking about here. And then the passage finishes. And the law alight, light reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The way of life. What that means is. That when we receive wise counsel, wise instruction, wise discipline, it leads to life. It leads to life. What it's talking about here is preserving and prolonging life here. Okay. Making good choices helps you prolong your life. It it helps you preserve your life. There's so many times that we, we honestly, we need that. And it also ensures that you will have eternal life. If you're wise enough to follow the instruction that God gives you, you don't only have a life here of fulfillment and abundance. You'll also have eternal life with him. Now we're talking about prolonging and preserving life. I remember one time when I was 16 years old, you know, when you're 16, you're an amazing driver. I mean, the moment you put a 16 year old boy behind a car, that's all you need, baby. You can drive. And my mother said, you need to slow down. When you get your, you get your license, you slow down. You drive, for, you drive slower than even the speed limit for the first year of your life because you have not gone through a whole season in New York, the rain, the snow, this, that, and the other thing. You haven't dealt with the kind of seasons that we have here in New York behind the wheel of a car. Well, what did my mother know? about driving i mean i'm like you remember mario andretti that was probably some you know but i'm like I'm, I'm like mario andretti like reincarnated you know what i'm saying it's like hey come on i get behind the wheel of my 1973 super beetle that was a tough cool looking car okay so she tells me slow down you know just make sure you go slow well i was driving home and i never i would hardly ever speed you know what i'm saying But my friend rolled down the window and made some comment about how he could beat me back to the apartments in his piece of junk car. And you can't let that go unchallenged, okay? And it started to rain a little bit. What's a a little bit of rain going to bother you, you know what I'm saying? So we're, we're cruising down the road. At, you know, had a decent clip. And I figured, he—he he, we're close, and I would have easily won this race, right? So we're coming around, and I figured I could make that turn at 50 miles an hour in the rain. So I just turned the wheel, and the wheels went this direction, and the car went that direction. Except there was a guardrail there that, over a bridge and into a stream. And I turned that wheel, and we skid, and... <laughs> My friend grabbed the front of the car. You remember those little things in the front of a Volkswagen, kind of hold on to. He held on to that, right? And we skid. We missed the guardrail. I'm not exaggerating. I like hardly fit a piece of paper between my car and the guardrail. It was like an angel. Was like. Help that dope! Help him! Help him! You know what I mean? Stop his little Volkswagen. So it stopped. My friend was like, "I need to go home." I <laughs> His name was John, and he needed to go home. And, uh, and we, I couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe that my mother was actually right—that you can't take a turn at fifty miles an hour in the rain. And if I would have listened, thank God. I honestly, to this day, I'm not exaggerating. Can't figure out how we stopped going around that curve from 304 onto our street to the apartments. I don't know how it happened, but you know who was right? My mother. My mother was right. I'm going to tell you something. Mothers aren't perfect, but here's the thing. They love us with intensity, and they want the best for us, and they prove it by their willingness to sacrifice every. Other day, if you will, or every day for our needs, they're always sacrificing for our needs to give us what we need. The Bible has a great example of this. It shows us in First Kings chapter three, verses sixteen through twenty-eight, how much mothers love their children. Basically, the story you've heard it before. These two prostitutes are living in the same house together, and they both have a baby around the same time. And one of the mother's babies, and I can get all the details. A lot of kids here, but uh, one of the babies doesn't make it, and so the mother gets up at night and she takes the, the, the baby from the one woman and, keep, and she takes her baby and slips it over here. And when the, when the mother wakes up in the morning, she goes, wait, what happened? That's not my baby. So they start to argue and fight. Well, they argue so much. They take it before the king and they go before the king and they're like, well, that's not true. And that was mine. And she's mine. That's not, she's lying. And the king says, all right, I, I, I know everybody shh, quiet. Hey, bring me a sword. You know the story you know, take the baby, you get a baby, you get, I'm not going to get into it, but you get a baby and you get a baby kind of, you know, um, and the mother who took the baby stole the baby. She's like, Hey, that sounds good. That's fair. The real mom of the baby is like, Whoa, 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 give him to her. Okay. Just don't harm my baby. Just don't just, just give the baby to her. Uh, I, 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 I relinquish, you know, I take, uh, I'll give up my rights to my baby. You know, just give the baby to her at school. That, no, I, I, I give up. We'll walk away. And the king says, all right, I've made my verdict. Give the baby to his mother, his real mother. And his real mother is the one who's willing to sacrifice herself to make sure her baby is not harmed. Even if it, will, it means giving up custody of her baby to make sure her baby is not harmed. And the king says, give the baby to his mother. And God calls us to 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 treat our mothers, to love our mothers with the same passion that they have loved us our entire lives. We are supposed to return that love to our mothers the way they've passionately loved us for our entire lives, the good, the bad, the ups and the downs. And as always, Jesus sets a perfect example for us to follow. I'll be honest with you. I read this and I I said, I have missed this. How have I missed this? I mean, I've read it over and and I've taken it in different circumstances. I've preached sermons on it in different circumstances, but I never, not in this context. So Jesus sets this incredible example. Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross. Okay? They nail him to the cross. So he's hanging on the cross. He is suffering intense, physical, emotional, and spiritual agony on the cross. And in the midst of all that, he wanted to make sure that his mother would be taken care of after his crucifixion, after he had died. This, I found this profoundly interesting. Once Jesus told his disciple... To take care of his mother. It says in John chapter 19 verse 28. Listen to these words. Knowing that all was now completed. Knowing that all was now completed. After he's hanging on the cross. Before he gives up his spirit. Okay. Make sure. Make sure. That one of his disciples is taking care of his mother. Now. If that doesn't tell you how much God cares about the way we treat our moms and the way we love our moms, I don't know what will. I'm not trying to make more out of that passage than is already there. But here's the deal. God the Father is in complete control, okay? He's in complete control of of all of this. And he chose that Jesus final, listen, he chose that Jesus final act of service, final act of service would be to make sure that he took care of his mother. And then he says, after he takes care of his mother, after that, then it says, and now that all was complete, it was completed. Is that not awesome? Is that not unbelievable God's final God, the father in complete control, makes sure that Jesus shows that his final act of service was to care for his mother. I think that's absolutely incredible. Some of you have been caring for your moms who are a lot older and they've you know, they're just they're just older. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not only honoring and respecting your mother for doing that, you're honoring and respecting God. You honor and respect God for the way you treat your mother and what you're doing for your mom. See, moms are willing to teach the hard lessons. Moms are willing to be the bad guy as long as they believe what they're doing will help us to, be, to turn out good. Moms are willing to, 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 to say the hard things, to do the hard things, to be the bad guy, if you will, to make sure that you and I turn out good. It, I can't even. It must be extremely difficult when you're doing from your heart what you know is best for your child and you don't get thanks. What you get is, well, I can't believe you're 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 ruining my life, all those kind of things. So let me say with from the bottom of my heart, honestly, guys, give them a little bit of a break. Honestly, give them a little bit of a break. They're not, moms aren't perfect. Dads aren't perfect. But when you know, you can go into your room and ask God. Ask God. Go by yourself and ask God, where where is she coming from? Why is she telling me to do this? Why is she asking me to do this? Is it for her benefit or for mine? And then once you come to the right conclusion, because he'll give you the right conclusion, then what you need to do is say, you know what? I need to give my mom a little more of a break because motherhood is a choice to try to do the right thing. Hear me out. Even when they're not sure what the right thing is. If you're a mom and you have multiple children, those children are different. There's no book that says, here's how you raise child A, and that's all there is, child A. All your children are different, so you have to come up with different scenarios and different ways of figuring it out, and you do, and they do. They do train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. That is the natural bent of a child. Moms do their best, sometimes not knowing what the best is and just trying to learn along the way. So I believe they should get a little bit of a break because they constantly sacrifice and give themselves for us. And I want to close out this sermon with a quote that I believe sums up motherhood very effectively. It's from Teneva Jordan. Listen to this. It's very simple. A mother is a person who, seeing there is only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces she never did care for pie. I never did care for pie. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for mothers. Thank you for their sacrifice. Thank you for the, the, the lost sleep, Lord God. Thank you for the care. Thank you for their, the, the, the attempt that they make all the time to try to do what's right for their children and the people around them. I pray, dear God, that you would bless them. I pray that you give them strength. I pray that you give them wisdom. I pray that you give them discernment. I pray that you give them everything they need in order to accomplish what you have created them to accomplish. We love them with all of our hearts. I pray they would have a wonderful, a beautiful, a happy, and a restful day. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.